0: sometimes when you're driving down the road all by yourself you begin to hear a voice that tells you you need to look around pay attention maybe something isn't quite right that voice is me it's the voice of Gord. Welcome to another episode of Voice of i got a special one here for you today, guys. Reaching deep into my past, back to my hometown of Beamsville, Ontario, to speak with my old buddy, Vince Sturge. I've known Vince since I was in elementary school, and he's been trucking for almost as long as I have. You might have bumped into him on Instagram. He's a Canadian coal roller, I think. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not much of a social media guy outside of Twitter and retiring my Facebook a few years ago, but enough about that. Vince is great. We spoke about the importance of looking good and having a good attitude out on the road and an approach to the profession that is truck driving. I had a real good chat with Vince. I think the drivers amongst my fan base are going to really enjoy this. I've been looking forward to talking with Vince for a while now. Uh, vince's, i hooked vince up with my old buddy bruce at the lead pedal podcast shout out to bruce shout out to lead pedal i'll include uh, vince's appearances on bruce's show in the notes and you can go check those out uh, i don't i don't have much in the way elsa news except there'll be another episode this week this is a special week you're getting two episodes instead of one uh, apologies for this one being released a day late um, won't hold you up any longer. Uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. Vince Sturge. G'day, and welcome to another episode of Voice of Gord. I'm Gord, this is my voice, and the other voice you're going to hear today Old buddy of mine from my hometown of Beamsville, Ontario, Canada, Mister Vince Sturge, Vincent. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Well, I'm fantastic. For uh, seven o'clock on a Sunday morning, how are you? I hear you. I'm about the same. I see you've uh, you-, you made the trip to Tim Hortons.
1: Yeah, made the trip. I got uh, two cool. coffees
0: here. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm good to go for for an hour or so. so
0: the, the Essential Canadian Institution. Yes, sir. Well, the um, nearest Tim Hortons to me is down in Halstead. Uh, first exit off 81 going into Pennsylvania, and that's an hour drive, so I am uh, I make it myself here at home. <laughs> you were just uh off, off the recording here. You were... Filling me all in on the um, truck Truck drivers, typically, for the most part, especially if you're doing long haul, you live in your truck. That's your own personal space and you have to manage it to the standards you set. You know, you're the captain of the ship. It's your house. Uh, unfortunately, uh, trucks break down. Companies want you to jump into other trucks. S- some of them make a practice out of it called slip seating, which is... Uh, hell on earth and i would never work anywhere that did that tell us tell us about the selection of fine replacement vehicles they gave you to choose from (laughs) so
1: (laughs) so wednesday their uh truck broke down and had those def codes so no big deal oh it was was
0: the it was the emissions control system oh even better (laughs) yeah that
1: good good stuff that that horse piss keep going (laughs) so (laughs) the uh said drop your truck off at kenworth get it plugged in yada 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 okay no big deal well they said the parts are it's gonna be two different sensors some throttle knock sensors and something else whatever it was it was gonna be a day before they got the parts in okay no big deal storm was coming in on thursday you know what might as well take a take a family day anyway nobody wants to be out on the roads with the ice and and all the idiots and, and all that shit out of the way cut your losses no big deal Tell me to come in Friday morning. Your truck will be ready. Go load for Cleveland. Deliver Monday morning. Okay, no problem. So I get in there Friday, and they said, "Oh, your truck's not going to be ready till probably in and around noon." Oh, you got to get out to you got to get out to Welland to load. So just take this loaner truck and and go out to Welland and load and come back, and your truck will be ready by then. Well, I go out and trying and for trucks, and I get a text message: Your truck's not going to be ready till Monday now. The parts not going to come in until later today, and there's no nobody to put it on at at, uh, at the dealership. So you're going to have to take a loaner truck for the whole weekend. So whatever truck you pick, make sure it's it's one that you're going to sleep in. And already my mind's just it's starting to trip out on me. I'm I'm not one of those guys that can just like you said the slip seating or anything else like that. Drive a truck for one day is is one thing, but to sleep in it overnight that's a whole different ball game. So I opened a couple doors. One door's got puke all down the side of it. Sunflower seeds, piss jugs. Close the door. Next truck, piss jugs, sunflower seeds. I'm like, is this starting to become like a, you know, a recurrence here? Like, is this what everybody (laughs) fucking does around here? Like, like, this is disgusting. So we go through three more trucks. And finally, I said, that's it. I ain't fucking doing nothing. I'm going home. Oh, no, 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 no. We got to get this load delivered. It's got to get picked up. It's got to get delivered. Well, I need my cleanliness and I need my fucking sanity too. And that ain't gonna happen, me driving this truck. So finally we find a truck that's semi half decent. There's no puke on the door when you open it up. There's, <laughs> there's, there's 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 no piss jugs. So right now we're 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 you know a couple steps above the other trucks. I look, there's dog kibble everywhere. Now I'm not a f I'm not I don't care about guys having their pets and stuff in their trucks, you know, that's their home, that's their business. That's their companion. Whatever. It is what it is. Clean up after yourself. Clean up after your dog, just like you would at your house. You don't let your dog kibble all over your kitchen floor or wherever your dog eats. You don't let hair just pile up and, you know, by dishes and all that kind of shit. There was dog hair and dog kibble everywhere. So I said, you guys go in and clean this out. Sweep it out. I will drive this truck for the afternoon to go load my load. But as opposed to taking this across the border, not going to fucking happen. So, you get two choices, put the rush on them and put the pinch on them to get my truck fixed. Or this load isn't going to deliver till Tuesday because my truck won't be ready till Monday. About an hour later, I get loaded, get back to the yard. All of a sudden, Oh, Vince, go pick up your truck. It's ready. It's amazing how fast my truck gets ready when, when I refuse to drive the equipment, you know, like
0: it's just, well, just imagine, yeah. imagine for a moment, you know, um, You roll up to customs, right? So you're in Southern Ontario. You're going to haul a load to Cleveland, across the border. You get pulled in for a random inspection. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol goes through your truck, and you're the guy sitting there, and they think it's your truck. And dog kibble, puke, piss jugs, Mm -hmm. uh, and who knows what else hiding under the bunk. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> y- you're going to wear it. Right. So like, yep. I mean, over and above the cleanliness factor, when you're crossing the border all the time, y- you sort of got to know <laughs> the history of the truck in question and what's inside it, like down to a granular level, because if uncle Sam decides to investigate you a little further on the way South, um, th- they'll tear your truck apart and Canada customs can do the same thing coming home. So it's it sort of behooves you to know every cubic millimeter of what's going on in that unit, right? Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So your trucks at your trucks over at Kenworth in Stony Creek. Yep, yep. Right. Is there any is there any parking left there anymore? I've I've heard the pallets basically took over the whole backyard.
1: Yeah, that was it. It was like Paddock was like, "Okay, knock, knock. Who's there? Well, we're coming to take over your yard. So (laughs) (laughs) so there was really not much of uh, they really have just from basically their shop doors to the end of their shop doors for parking and storage of trucks. And that's it. All the back lot is all paddocks now with their trailers, their um, equipment, their trucks, their everything. They've just taken over the whole block.
0: Oh, pretty, pretty soon they'll have Stony Creek covered, right? They just got to—they have to find another old steel mill to move into. Yep, yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind saying, who is it you're working for now?
1: I work for uh, White Oak Transportation.
0: Oh, White Oaks, okay. Yep. Wow, and so pre last last time we spoke, I think you were driving a a live bottom, gravel or asphalt trailer of some description, right?
1: Yep. That, uh, that didn't work out as, as well as I thought some, uh, you know, all these guys show off your, you know, these nice trucks and fancy trucks, and you're going to make all this money and we're going to treat you so good. And it's always the fucking opposite, always <laughs> the opposite. The nicer the truck. It seems to be the bigger the asshole or the bigger, the, the douche bag of a fucking company. It seems to be, they don't want to pay you the the proper wage because you're driving a fancy truck. You think that you know you should be uh you should be grateful that you're you know given such a spectacular you know vehicle to drive down the road and and look good in, and they want to replace that as your um sort of your pay pay scale sort of thing. Well, like, the, look the, at me, the, the, I'm driving the, a nice truck.
0: Exactly. That the aesthetics are important, but so is the paycheck. But um, yep. y- you're in you're in aesthetics. And sharp looking truck enjoyer and your reputation procedure, you've always had very sharp, nice looking equipment, especially your own trucks back in the day.
1: Yep. And I'm I'm one to always drive a nice unit, but you know, sometimes you gotta look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture right now is the money that's coming in with the with the rising prices of everything from diapers to groceries to fuel to you name it, the truck doesn't make you any more money. And these days i'm all about making most bang that i can get to support my family so if i've got to drive you know a plain jane 380 or 567 peterbilt you know what so be it because if that's going to pay me more money than driving a fancy brand new you know 389 or a 379 or a w9 it is what it is at this point
0: well we have to make these calculations i hear you about feeling the pinch man in- inflation, as it is all around the world, is certainly eating up a lot of our paychecks. Um, And I live in a pretty low wage part of the world myself. I often wonder if I have to go back over the road, staying away. But you know, I got two little ones here at the house, so yep. I won't. I won't be doing that anytime soon. Yep. You had your own trucks in in the past, and I think you used to run the Sioux a lot, hauling coils.
1: Run ran the Sioux a lot hauling coils, hauling scrap up there, hauling scrap back out to uh out to Manitoulin Island a lot. Spent a lot of time, a lot of time up there with my own trucks.
0: What were you doing on the island?
1: Bring a scrap out. So you okay. go in, yeah, you go in, take the uh, scrap from the one big scrap yard that's down there, and uh bring it all the way uh back up to Sault Ste. Marie, empty out, reload uh some kind of turnings or anything coming back down and bring that back down to uh uh triple m there in hamilton
0: so scrap north and scrap south yep interesting how that works i i I wouldn't have thought scrap iron given that there's a big steel mill in the sioux and another one in hamilton i I wouldn't think they'd want to pay to haul it in either direction i mean scrap is scrap or am i missing something here
1: no, no, scrap is basically scrap, but Triple M came up with this. Uh, uh I don't know if it was their design or whose it was, but the, you know the inside of like your interior of, of your vehicle, how it's got all the fluff and the wiring and all through your vehicle and shit like that. So they load your truck with all this. Basically, it's called fluff. So it's the interiors of your vehicle. It's the um all the sh- uh, little copper wires, all the little uh, red, yellow, black, all your wiring that goes through your your vehicle it gets thrown in with all like the the roof part, like the cloth and your seats and all that shit and gets packed into your trailer. You bring that back down to Southern Ontario, the triple M. Now, triple M has got this design for this, whatever this thing's called. And it separates everything. So it'll separate all the little wires, all the copper, all the aluminum, anything that's in that load, it separates it into its own individual pile. So it'll take the cloth, all that padding and styrofoam and, and everything else, it'll push that off to its own pile and take the copper, put it into its own pile, the aluminum, it'll put it into its own pile. So it's got, it's, it's a pretty interesting intricate design so they can maximize every piece of scrap that's in a vehicle from the wiring all the way down to the rims on, on the vehicle.
0: Wow. What, 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 one processing unit and it sorts it all out. That's pretty high tech.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, it wasn't, the greatest paying stuff but it was it was steady work so you made most of your money going up and at least you got something for coming back down it wasn't the best paying coming back down but you've already made your money and your rates going up so at least you're like i said at least you're getting something coming back down or you're not going broke it covers your fuel for coming back down because you've already made your money on the loads going up sort of thing right
0: Right, and uh, I've never. I, I find it interesting. You were going over to Manitoulin Island. That's one of the few places in Canada I've never been to. Um,
1: it's 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 a beautiful place.
0: So, if I recall correctly, if you're going to the island from the south, from the peninsula, you have to take a ferry. And from took, the, is the, is there a bridge or a causeway or something at the north end? Like I say, yeah, I'm totally there, ignorant of this. I've never been there. So, yep.
1: Yeah, some people, some uh, cars and stuff, they can take a ferry. But there is a swing bridge in there. As soon as you uh, get in there, there's a big, creepy, huge swing bridge that takes you onto the uh, to the other side of the island. I never took a ferry. Nothing, just right across the, the swing bridge and then back through the the old country roads, the logging roads, and and everything else. And that's all you see out there. There's no other truck but but logging roads coming out of Manitoulin except for like your, your drive-ins or your reefers that are, you know, feeding the community, so to speak, right?
0: Right. So that swing bridge will accommodate a Super B or a 5-axle fully yep. loaded? Yep. Okay. Crazy. Yeah,
1: it, yeah, it was Uh. It was pretty fun. I, I really enjoyed it because you'd get into Manitoulin Island at, say, 7 o'clock at night in the wintertime. Everything's pitch dark and it's just pure soulless man it's just silence nice and just you nature you know you hear the coyotes at nighttime howling and stuff like that and it's just you know it's just total peace and tranquility man it's just it was one of the better runs that I had because you knew that you're gonna get a good night's sleep and it was nice and quiet nobody was gonna bug you there was no truck idling beside you or no reefer or somebody's air dryer going off every 15 seconds because they were too lazy to to, to fix it you know Six hours before, so they're going to piss everybody off at a truck stop having your air dryer go off every 15 seconds.
0: Yeah, it's my truck just went in to get a bunch of work done to it, and one of the items was the air dryer filter cartridge. Yeah, um, because it was causing some issues. Man, I I I, I drive a logging truck for this guy here. It's interesting getting back to the slip seating thing. When I moved into it, it only had 110 thousand miles on it and not too much that's just broken in uh, but it's it's required all this work as of late i come to find out from my boss because he told me when I, he first hired me that he taught one guy how to drive on that truck well it turns out he taught three guys how to drive on that truck <laughs> <laughs> so that's you know it, it has all these little quirks it's developed uh, you know tr- trucks in their time depending on who drove them how many people drove them the conditions they operated in will develop all their own you know personality only 185,000 miles on it now and the rotors and brakes have been are being replaced and it's getting a new rad and I'm like I I had a little feeling like, was this my fault? Like, what did I do to the damn thing? You know, is it was it the logging or was it all the guys before me? Because it Mm seems awfully early for all of this stuff to be (laughs) shitting itself. You know, you know how it is. You're going down the road and you got nothing to do but like think. Mm -hmm. You start, you start, you know, um, internalizing all of these problems and blaming yourself for it. Which, and I wonder if they take advantage of that sometimes, you know, like if you're, if you're a conscientious operator, uh, the people that own the truck know that, And uh, you know, all right, well, we can, you know, th- psychologically abuse the guy driving the truck, take advantage of his sense of ownership over the thing. And
1: <laughs> yeah. it seems like they do for some reason. It, it always, it always seems like that.
0: Right. So you were hauling scrap back and forth from the Sioux. Did you ever get into the coil business as well? That, yeah, seems yeah, to, I did. that seems to have been a thing.
1: Yeah, I did coils up there for a long time. I did the uh, oversight plate coming back down out of uh, out of Algoma. There the 10, uh, 10 feet wide or uh, 11 feet wide uh, steel plate coming back down. Back down into Stelco in, uh, in Hamilton. Uh, I did coils for a while and then it just seemed to become too brainless
0: anything can be that way after you do it enough because once you Mm -hmm. get good at something you know you're sort of good at it i guess this is one of the sort of i don't want to say unspoken things about trucking, but once you achieve a certain level of operational capability you know it it can seem fairly monotonous after a little while yep Yep. i mean you're always going to get something new thrown at you and you never know what's going to happen on the road one day to the next but you know, if you if you go through periods of smooth sailing, uh, it it can you know start to uh, start to feel like, you know, maybe I could be doing something else.
1: Yep, and that's why I moved on from steel. It just seemed to be a waste of my time and talent, so to speak, because it just seemed like it was just you're going through the motions, and half the time you don't remember, you know, you loading or going down the road. You just remember that you you showed up to load. And you showed up to unload everything else in the middle, pretty much non-existent. You don't remember it because it's just, you become so accustomed to it that it just rolls and just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling from day to day to day that sometimes you don't even remember if you got one coil on or two coils on, because that's all you, that's all you're doing. (laughs) You got to look at your bills like, oh shit, I don't have one coil on. I got two coils on. What the hell am I thinking? But you just become so accustomed to doing your everyday job that it just, it's just second nature to you. It's like walking into your door and you got the same routine. You know, you hang your keys, if you take your boots off, you take your coat off. It's the same as, you know, hauling steel or anything in, in the trucking industry. You got, once you get in that routine of doing the same thing day in and day out, it's just like, okay, did I leave the truck? Did I leave my keys in my truck or did I hang them up this time? Oh shit, I don't remember.
0: Well, you know, and to bring it back to what you were, we were saying about slip seating everyone develops routines and it doesn't matter if you're driving a truck or working anywhere people tend to be creatures of habit Mm -hmm. and you develop these routines mistakes happen when routines get interrupted right Mm -hmm. so again the slip seating thing trucks having different personalities and uh, maybe, maybe they're spec differently. Maybe the buttons on the dash for different accessories on the truck are different. The guy who drove it before you treated it differently. I've, al- I've always found, you know, you hear guys tell stories of, you know, of woe and breaking down problems, issues on the road. And quite a bit of them are the result of having to jump in a different truck and having your routine interrupted right? A lot of mistakes start happening. You know, you get thrown in a different truck and oh, everybody's in a hurry and their hair's on fire. This load has to get moved. And then you don't have your, all your own tools and kit. There's some weird quirk about that truck. You're not used to, or, you know, your, your, your brain goes into like fight or flight mode or something, because you're doing something that's out of your routine you know, maintaining that routine as monotonous as it can be at times also helps make things safer, more efficient, you know, it gets things done better.
1: Yep. No, exactly. I mean, that's one of the reasons why when I'm loading, I have a certain way that I load, a certain speed that I load. It's not, you know, super fast. It's not slow like a turtle. Straight in, in, in between. I take my time. You sort of, you know, just like you're going for a walk down the street, nice and easy. You're not in it for, you know, a sprint. You're not in it for, you know, to go too slow to, you know, freeze your ass off on this walk that you're, you know, that you want to do to get yourself healthy. It's just, you just go at your nice, nice, easy pace. And I do the same with, with loading. I don't touch my truck or I don't touch my phone. Sorry. When I'm loading phone stays in the cab, any kind of distraction from there on out will be a distraction that gets thrown in by a third party, like a crane operator or another driver, you know, as you're trying to set up your trailer for loading or, or getting ready to unload, that's when, you know, those kinds of mistakes I find um, happen because like you said, you get thrown out of your normal routine. So as you're going to take off a, say a binder, the driver comes up and asks for help all of a sudden, and you, you just, you drop what you're doing to go help another driver. All of a sudden you forget what step of, you know, your process that you're at. So all of a sudden you get everything done. You think, okay, I'm good to go. All of a sudden the crane guy goes, uh, Hey stupid, there's, there's still a woman chain left on your coil there. We we can't take it off because you're still strapped (laughs) down to the deck sort of thing. But just, just one of those things throws you off your routine. it's no different than when you're loading because you go to help somebody else, you know, loading or helping a fellow driver, you can miss a step trying to, you know, secure your own sort of load.
0: One of the things I think that happens with that, especially to newer drivers is you'll get you'll get in a situation somewhere people want you to move your truck, you need to adjust, your, your trailer might need to be repositioned or there's a huge line of guys behind you and you know the, the pressure gets on. And um, I, I always tell new guys, you know, don't let anybody push you, don't let anybody rush you. Uh, don't let anybody get you out of your little routine because that's when the mistakes get made. You have to move your trailer There's still a strap hanging off the side, you run over the strap, something gets wrapped around a fender, you know, the mistakes and the costs start adding up real quick. The minute you let people push you or you uh, allow any pressure to get to you. I think one of the things that senior seasoned drivers should do when they find themselves at a loading location or a truck stop or whatever, and you see uh, uh, some other guy who's moving slow or maybe taking his time, kind of assume maybe they're new at it and they're or they're not comfortable or they're trying to maintain their routine and just let them do it, you know? Yeah. Because um, uh, if you if you add, add to the add to the pressure pile by getting impatient with them or giving them shit, that's yep. probably not very helpful no
1: no exactly and i mean everybody's got like their own mannerisms and you can tell when somebody needs help normally people that need help usually they're standing there they're, their hands are in their, you know their hands are on their head they're scratching their head they're looking around they're looking confused sort of thing yeah. they're not you know they're just showing tall tale signs of they need help without asking for help so to so to speak right yeah. Whereas a guy who's loading and just taking his time you can see he's he's computing what's going on upstairs He's still walking around. He's moving kind of slow, but you can tell that he's in his own groove. He's doing what he needs to do. He's in, you know, he's doing his thing. He's not, he doesn't need help. So you leave those type of guys alone, but you can tell, like I said, by people's mannerisms, the way that they're looking around and they're sort of looking around like, is anybody looking so they can come help me because I'm too scared to go ask for help. Because the last time I asked the guy for help, he told me to go fuck myself sort of thing. Right. So it's, it's one of those things where it's a fine line where you can tell where people need help or where people are just trying to get their job
0: done. Speaking of being new and trying to look after new guys, we were all new guys at one time and we're both from the same at what, what was once a small town in Southern Ontario Beamsville yeah. exit 64 on the Queen Elizabeth way, uh, home of the old relay station truck stop. Um, what remind me when it was you got you started trucking Vince? I can't quite remember.
1: Uh, 1998. I just turned 18. I got my uh, I turned 18, and the very next day I went for my, ro- my road test, passed the flying color. So it's 20 going on 25 years now.
0: Wow. Yes. Yeah, so you're only a year behind me. I got mine in '97.
1: Yeah, it's been a ride, that's for sure.
0: Yeah and I remember and you and it's been quite a ride and all those uh, the trucks you've owned uh, didn't one of them catch you on fire once
1: yep yep that was uh that was my favorite one of of all the trucks I've owned that was by far that was my baby that was the one that I sunk sunk all my blood sweat tears everything into I was I was a local driver at the time and you couldn't get me out of my truck I was sleeping at the yard for a couple hours, you couldn't get me out of the seat, man. It was one of those things where we just we clicked me in that truck. It was we had a bond like 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 a father and son, like a you know, like a, a mother and daughter sort of thing. It was one of those things where my wife would say, Are you coming home? Uh nope, another load just popped up. Well it's eleven o'clock at night. Well yep, another load just popped up, so we're going back to work. So I it didn't <laughs> turn down nothing because it was it was one of those things where that was that was my baby. That was yeah. That, that was my truck. That was that was the truck of trucks for sure.
0: And remind us, uh, make, model, year, engine specifications.
1: It, it was a uh oh, it was a uh, uh two thousand and uh two thousand and five Peterbilt three seventy nine had a had the ISX Cummins in it, five hundred and fifty horse. Uh, three nine zero rear ends. Uh, two uh, two eighty five wheelbase. All decked right out. I don't think there is any more chrome I could 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 have put on the thing. I'd have to start inventing places to put chrome. So it was uh, it was a working show truck, and for being in the scrap industry, guys would look at you and, and shake their head and stood. You know, I started getting the name nickname Princess. You know, because my truck was all, <laughs> my my truck was always clean going into a scrapyard. You know, and then staying clean and, you know, like the old thing, boots come off at of the door, you know, there's no dirt and guys would say, oh, I don't got time for that. I don't got time for that. I'm in and out of my truck. Well, you know what, but I'm in and out of the same slot pits that you are every single day. You don't finish any quicker than I do. You know, I don't finish any quicker than you do to do the exact same job, the exact same amount of loads. And my truck is still immaculate at the end of the day. So basically what it comes down to is laziness. There's no there's no other word for it. I mean, if that's how you want to drive your truck and you drive with your boots on and you drive, you know what? No qualms about it, but you know what? Keep the inside of your truck clean. Just because you drive a, a scrap truck or a truck that gets dirty all the time doesn't mean you got to look the part. You're supposed to look like a professional, you know? Your your truck is one thing going down the road. It can't help but get dirty and trashed and all that kind of stuff, but that's what soap and water is there for. It it cleans it up. <laughs> but- so
0: soap and water and uh and a in a, a high pressure hose
1: but I mean, you don't have to look like your truck. You're not getting, you know, rained on as you're going down the road and, and shit like that. You need to be presentable at all times. And I've always, and I'll, I've always been like that. You need to, you need to look the part. You don't want to dress, you know, jump out in track pants and flip flops and and everything else and say, Oh, I'm here to go pick up a load. I've got a safety (laughs) hat, but you know, I have got slip I've got slippers or or sandals on my feet and I'm you know, I stink and and everything else. That's that's not how you you want to be portrayed.
0: I always laugh. Um you see someone in their mandatory steel toed work boots and their hard hat, but they've got like the Adidas tracksuit thing going on. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Yep.
1: I, I, I believe it or not, I seen a guy two weeks ago. It was in Cleveland. I can't remember the big, uh, big steel company name. Uh, it's 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 a big company. Anyways, the guy had steel toe sandals on, and they were homemade. So he took the inside of a work boot, or like the outside, the the steel toe part. He had sawed that. He had put that over top of his uh Jesus boots that he had because they had the crisscross leather straps going up the up his foot and he had them somehow secured so there was a steel cap over top of his sandals <laughs> and I was dumbfounded I I've, I've never seen it. it it looked like a pair of Crocs basically but with a steel cap over top of it and I just mean that's
0: that's 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 certainly a creative and innovative yeah. way to comply
1: Uh uh-huh yeah there's some one of those things where you see it and you're like did i really just see that somebody went through all that effort instead of just putting on a pair of steel toe work boots they went through all that effort so they could wear their sandals (laughs) like come on people like
0: well i'm sure i'm sure we get that in the other direction too right like you know you some of your fellow scrap haulers might be like why is that guy going through all that effort to keep his truck clean, man? Like that's bizarre to me. You know, it's everybody has their preferences. Mm-hmm. It's just that ours are more correct, Vince.
1: Yeah. That's what <laughs> I think. Like my wife calls me my wife calls me insane all the time. Whether I get home and it's raining or it's nice out, my truck gets washed, it gets cleaned. Even if I'm, if I'm out there in the rain, she's like, It's raining. You're an idiot.
0: No, well, the rain—the rain helps to rinse off when you're finished.
1: That—that's it. The rain helps to rinse <laughs> off, but the, there's still that dirt on there that's got to come off that you know only the pressure washer can get. And she just—you know what? She just shakes her head. She's like, "I'm used to it." Oh, sorry, sweetheart. This is this is what you signed up for. There, you know, twelve years ago.
0: Has it been that long now?
1: Yeah, it's been that long.
0: We got 11. married in
1: two. We got yeah. We got together in 2011. We got married in 2016.
0: Okay, because I remember coming to your Stag and Doe in Hamilton. Yep. yep. What, what was the venue on that? Wasn't it up off Parkdale somewhere?
1: Yeah, it was uh, Parkdale and Barton Street, I believe it was, at uh, one of the old, I don't know if it was a church or one of those.
0: Like a Polish community center or something like yeah, that? Yeah,
1: something something like that. One of those community centers or, or, or something having to do with that.
0: Yeah, I remember being at that party. That was fun. I think I came with my sister and her husband Scott.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a good time. It was one of the it was that part there was more stressful than my wedding, believe it or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cause
1: we had to do everything and then you have your wedding party involved and then you have everybody else, well, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to help by doing this, we want to help by doing that. Where the wedding, it was all planned by the wedding planner, and all we had really had to do was just sign off on the decorations or the flowers or or what have you, right? It was, they made all the decisions. We didn't really have to do anything. So there was no feelings involved. But the the, the stag and dough, yeah, that, it was stressful. It was definitely stressful.
0: Uh, by the end of it, you were probably mellowed out a little bit after a few beers, maybe? Yep, yep. Uh,
1: just Yeah, just a few. Yeah, but yeah, it was, a, it was a good time, though.
0: So all these years of marriage, and how many children do you have now? Uh Four. That's a few mouths to feed.
1: Yeah, I got a sixteen-year-old boy. Uh, I got a fourteen-year-old daughter, and then I've got a four-year-old son, and then I've got another two-year-old daughter.
0: Wow, that's quite the spread, too. Yeah, now, I imagine. Well, I mean, speaking of washing trucks, at least the two older ones should be part of the wash crew by now.
1: They they try, but it's one of those things where I'm meticulous with my truck, so they're sort of uh, they sort of try and stay away as much as possible when Dad's cleaning because they know if they miss a spot, and Dad's a little. Uh, that's a little bit OCD when, when you miss a spot on this truck and everything's nice and gleaming. And then all of a sudden there's just one big mud spot and you can see it. And then you get, it's, it's like, you can see it from Mars. It just stands right out.
0: Yeah. So, I, I, There's a photo. My dad has same town, same situation. So my dad sort of grew up in Rosedale. So kind of back towards the mountain and then yep. west of Parkdale a little bit. He has a photo Of my uncle Bruce's 1960 Kenworth. I thought it was a 68 turns out it's a 60. So anyway uh, the the picture was taken in 1970 in front of my Noni and Papa's house on Montrose Avenue in Rosedale and on the back of the truck is my dad standing on the ground is my Auntie Reenie, and my dad would have been 15 and Rini would have only been I don't know, eleven or twelve years old, and they're washing my uncle Bruce's nineteen sixty Kenworth. Yep. So you know, the fa- family tradition, same town, and, same place, same everything.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing; it all goes with appearance. Like, and I've I've always been a stickler with that. It, it doesn't matter when you show up to a place; you want to show up looking professional. You don't want to show up with a, you know, a shitty looking truck and shit hanging off and falling off, and then you get out, and you're in flip flops, and you've got no safety gear. You don't know how to load and. You know, it all goes back. It all coincides. You know, hand in hand. You know.
0: Yeah, the, <laughs> I know a lot. Of, I know it's a uh, here in North America, drivers like to make fun of those who wear flip flops. Uh, my show was recently syndicated in Australia, so this this will be on an Australian radio network, and down under because it's so hot, um, all truck drivers wear flip flops. <laughs> I mean, when you get to a loading site or you get to a mine, you know, you gotta have like they are real sticklers about this on mine sites, especially high vis. you know, yellow shirt, long sleeves, <clears> long <throat> pants, steel toe boots, all that. But like, as soon as you leave, almost everybody takes all that crap off, boots come off because it's just hot, you know? Yep. yep. And, you know, the, uh, there used to be an old stereotype of Aussie truck drivers that would, you know, singlet stubbies and jandals, which is muscle shirt short short rugby shorts and flip-flops and, that's, <laughs> <laughs> and, that's it. and um i I was an enjoyer of that for a while but yeah you, you get funny looks if you dress like that around these parts
1: so yeah yeah it's one thing to you know i I bring my track pants with me I bring my shorts and stuff like that when I'm done loading for the day and I want to relax in my truck and just just chill out yeah I throw on my track pants or my shorts and I just you know i I'm like a homeless person in my truck I just i just however <laughs> however I feel like it 'cause nobody's gonna see me. But once I go go to get out to go into the truck stop, I put you know, a nice I put my normal shirt back on, I put my jeans or, you know, my, my coveralls or whatever I'm I'm wearing and I, I go in. I don't make myself look unprofessional outside of the truck. When I'm in that truck, it's like I'm laying in my bedroom. Who cares? But once I'm out of that truck, I'm representing myself, I'm representing my company, you know, I don't want to um be looked upon as one of those Guys that doesn't really give a shit about about their truck or about their appearance and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like I'm you know doing my hair or or anything else like that or anything fancy or putting on cologne. But you want to look the part. You want to look professional as much as possible when you're out of that truck because not only are you representing yourself, you're representing your company out there, no matter where you go.
0: And the industry as a whole, in a certain respect.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're you're basically nowadays every company has their name, their phone number you know, all their credentials down the side, their DOT number, their CVOR number, you know, you're a walking billboard out there or, or, or a moving billboard, as I should say. Or a there. target. Right? Depending so- on who you're talking
0: to. <laughs>
1: so, I mean, you see it all over the place and then, you know, companies get a bad rap for that, you know, because they see, you know, they're, what they're portrayed out, as out there, you know, by their, the way their trucks look, the way their drivers look. It all goes hand in hand, and a lot of those, time, a lot of the times, those are the people that you know are pay really, really crappy because they don't have a good name in the industry, and they can't afford to, to, to pay anybody because they don't have a good name out there, and they're not getting the work like they should be. I mean, it's all appearances, you know, number one out there, you know, in, in my books, you know, that's that's what you first in see your, when you in your
0: up. books maybe maybe not everybody else's unfortunately but there's yeah. something there's something to be said about um, aesthetics which is one of the reasons i wanted you to come on because you know you're, you're that guy get home wash the truck always look sharp you have a professional attitude towards these things and mm-hmm. um, I, I don't want to be old you know grumpy old man yelling at cloud here well oh, back in my day but it does seem to be something of a lost art especially given the um, sort of consolidation that's mm-hmm. been happening in the trucking business basically since we started. Yep. This has been like a 25, 30 year project of income funds and large corporate carriers buying up small guys, putting them all under the same roof. Yep. And, you know, I mean, some of those places maintain some kind of aesthetic dignity, so to speak, but uh, not everybody, and mm-hmm. they certainly don't prioritize it. And and some of it comes back to the trucks themselves. You know, I'm I'm not a real big fan of, and neither are you. I think of the sort of fake fiberglass aerodynamic fairings. You know, kind of beige, lozen shaped. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're just they're just not trucks. And, you know, some people might think I'm a dinosaur because I like square hood conventionals much like yourself. But like there's something about that classic luck and there's something about driving it and there's something about like it looks like a truck. And one of the tells is, you know, I was having a conversation with someone about this on Twitter the other day. Freight brokers, um, recruiters, a a lot of different people in the trucking industry in their marketing they'll always have like the silhouette of a 379 or some square hood truck in all yep. of their marketing and advertising copy but then out on the road it's white volvo white freightliner mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yep. the, the newer really gross looking western stars yep. you know um the sort of square hood classic look truck is kind of you know going the way of the dodo But the thing is, all all of that is in pursuit of better fuel mileage and fuel economy. And I get that. But you can also get better fuel mileage just by driving slow, um, which is safer, easier on the tires, easier on the equipment, easier on everything else. So, I mean, if it's up to me, I would rather drive a truck that looks like a truck, feel good about it, represent the industry as people understand what it's supposed to look like. Yep and save money that way rather than doing 74 miles an hour with you know fairings all over the place and you yep. know i know some guys that are like that uh, my buddy jamie out in south dakota he's got you know 11 or 12 trucks and they're all fairing down to here and he's got the the new max and he's doing really good with the fuel mileage and good for him yeah no disrespect to guys that want to do that there's real heads like jamie that are nerds about fuel efficiency and he still manages to make his trucks look good and he's still got something to offer and then there's the other people that just kind of accept it as status quo and they don't care Mm -hmm. and that's unfortunately the vast majority of the trucks you see on the road nowadays it's uh, uh, vexatious to the spirit as it were
1: yeah i mean like you said you see these people in all their ads they've got old conventional trucks big hoods and everything else like that so people notice those as trucks, as a symbol. As you get a, a slippery hood, that's or a Volvo or anything else like that, people don't recognize that as a truck in the industry. As you're going down the road, you don't see that, like plastered on billboards. Come drive this Volvo. You know you're gonna you know, have a, you're gonna you know have, have a great time. You know you don't you don't see that you you don't see that at all. But that's that's the way of the future and. You know, I think that the way that drivers are coming about these days, a lot of these companies don't want to spend $200,000, $400,000 on a conventional, you know, square big hood because the caliber of drivers that they're getting, they're going to end up replacing hood after hood after hood because <laughs> they can't, they can't drive and it, it's cheaper to go for plastic for them more, you know, it's more economical for them because, they don't have the calibers of drivers that can keep those trucks going down the road, looking good without damage or, you know, trying to back into somewhere and they can't, Oh, this truck is too big. I can't see over the hood. I can't do this. You know, it's, it's too big sort of thing. Right. There's the, the quality of driver isn't out there anymore.
0: You say the, the Volvo, um, you remember the old movie over the top Sylvester Stallone? Yeah. I just uh, watched it the other day. <laughs> oh man. Classic. But like, they have it backwards. He starts off the movie, you know, driving an old auto car that looks like <laughs> it was from the 1960s or something. And then when, uh, you know, not not to give away the ending or anything, but I think we've all seen it. He wins that arm wrestling championship and he drives away with a brand new Volvo. Yeah. And I always I always thought to myself, well, they kind of got that ass backwards. <laughs> yeah. but, it, it, but that it, was that was like 19 that was what like 1986 or 87 or yeah. something. And like yeah, Volvos even... Volvos <laughs> didn't quite look completely retarded back then. Yep. I mean they still sort of kind of looked like a truck.
1: But even still, if you look back to then at, at that movie, he says uh when he wins the truck, there's he wins a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar Volvo since when did Volvos cost 250 thousand dollars back in 1986 I think they most
0: only... I think they must have included the price of the trailer or something I I, don't know. they
1: must have done something because <laughs> you know <laughs> these prices just started coming out within the last you know five to five to ten years of these trucks climbing you know north of two hundred thousand dollars I remember
0: you know? uh when, when I first started working for the paddocks when I was a kid they bought this 1t800 it was unit 520. And there was this old guy that drove it named Jack. Oh, man. I remember Scott Paddock saying, like, "Woo, that truck was $120,000. This is 1997 or 98. And that was a lot of money. Like, yep. you know, and I was just like, it was just a T-800. I mean, and they look nice. The Paddocks always really make their equipment look good. But, like, it didn't have a big motor. Area, and I think it was just like an M11 Cummins 10-speed you know it wasn't like set up for heavy haul it was not there, there was no reason for it the, the 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 sticker price was belying something else and it's just they've been going up and up and up ever since
1: yep yep and to, to buy to pay that much for a truck nowadays absolutely, absolutely insane well, there's, they, you know the,
0: the, the, there's used trucks that you pay 120 130 140 grand for you know, yep. which is in total insanity to me.
1: Yep. Yep. No, exactly.
0: So you're working at white Oak. Um, have you thought about getting back into being an owner operator or are you just, um, or are you too, too busy with the family?
1: I've, I've thought about it, but then again, I'm, I'm always too busy with the family. I work five, six days a week now. And then when I come home, I still have to, you know, clean my truck and everything else. So I'm still, it's basically, I'm working six days a week. If I'm gone for, you know, a week at a time or ten days. And then it turns into eleven days because by the time I get home I have to, you know, make sure everything's clean, all the paperwork's done. I've worked enough hours as it is right now. And to try and take on that with a young family, trying to be, you know, an owner operator and a one man show and, and do everything. Yeah, I have my wife, you know, supporting me behind me, probably, you know, we'd be willing to take on the the paperwork secretary aspect, filing all the DF to document and paperwork and all the fun shit that goes along with being an owner operator, you know, trying to save the pennies and everything else right now at this time in my life, having the two young ones, it's, it's really hard to try and and get everything, you know, flowing sort of thing and, and have that home time with the hours and the way that I work now, it's just easier to be a company driver because I can put my, I put my time in, I put my hours in, but once I'm done for the weekend or I'm done for the week, then I'm done. I don't have to worry about going out and greasing. I don't have to, you know, if there's something broken, I don't have to worry about trying to get it into a dealership and you know, it truck me down for a couple of days or out there freezing my bag off at minus 30 trying to, you know, replace a, a starter or a serpentine belt on your truck. You know, you're sitting there freezing your ass off and you're sitting there contemplating all life decisions at minus 30 because you can't feel your hands no more and the belt <laughs> is starting to crack because it's so fucking cold.
0: So it's, it's,
1: it's one of those things where I think I may get back into it once the kids are a little bit older and they have more extracurricular activities for themselves to keep them busy where they're not going to they're not going to miss me as much so to speak. But that's that's always uh it's always on the back burner to, for me to be my own boss again, but I got to do it when the when the when the time is right. There's no point in rushing it and and then you set yourself up for set yourself up for failure so to speak, right?
0: Very interesting choice of words of rushing it and I, I haven't paid attention to that trend too much as of late are they still trying to sell people on the like lease-op owner-op thing like i, I yep. haven't looked at a i haven't looked at like a truck stop magazine in forever cuz i work locally and i've been around the block enough times to sort of know what i like and know what's going on but like as far as you know recent times um, are are they still trying to sell that dream to people
1: oh yeah i mean uh, what's his name uh, um scotland Um, I mean, I could go tomorrow and I could be, you know, my own boss could be an owner operator, you know, going to California, making all this this great big money here where you're not, you're not going to make any more than I'm making right now. And the only one that's getting richer is, um, owner of Scotland himself. Who's got, you know, his own, you know. 500 acre compound in a, you know, a 200 acre fucking long driveway just to get to his compound, you know, <laughs> you know, his house is bigger than the, the parliament of Canada for fuck's sakes.
0: I've, uh, I'll have i take your word for it. I've seen their trucks around. They, they, they've, they've been in business quite a while. Yep. Um uh, Although uh, I don't know if anyone's going to California right now because it seems like interstate 80s closed every other day in Wyoming this winter. Yep. So <laughs> Yeah, my <laughs> buddy was just
1: out there. Everybody and be we're taking closed. a
0: long way around going down to mm-hmm. 40. Yep. Yeah, I haven't been to California in forever. Did you ever do any of that West Coast stuff, or did you just stay mostly in Ontario?
1: No, I stayed mostly in Ontario. I, did, I went out to uh, not too far into the West Coast, like California and stuff like that. I've never been to California. I've always wanted to go, but then I've also heard all the horror stories. So it's one of those things where do I want to go or do I not want to go?
0: It's a pretty epic drive. I mean, yeah, California is a very difficult place to do business. Um, you know, the California Highway Patrol and their DOT, they're like piranhas in the Amazon, man. Like you just you'd wade through the river at your own at your own risk cuz you might not make it to the other side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's very pretty. Uh, I, I, th- th- there's something iconic about the Southwestern and Western part of the United States. You know, once you like get to the, into Wyoming and it's, I mean, Nebraska is pretty wide open space too, but it's, yeah. it's pretty flat. And once you get into Wyoming and you start getting into the hills and you go through the Wasatch range in Utah, and then you go across the salt flats and then you're up and down through all these like desert mountain ranges in Nevada, and then you go up over, up through Truckee over Donner Pass, and it's just there's something very aesthetically pleasing about trucking in that part of the world. Sometimes Interstate 80 can feel a little bit like Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of like yeah. the four, a little bit like the 401, perhaps. Yeah. Um, uh, the the scenery's awesome. There's something to the whole notion of like you know the the American road trip, crossing of the continent, the whole thing. Like everyone has to do it once, but yeah. Um, California, in many ways, as Tool made famous of the old Bill Hicks line, any time now, Arizona Bay just fall into the Pacific Ocean because <laughs> everybody that lives there is, um, yeah, the, <laughs> no, no further comment.
1: <laughs> Wait, I've always wanted to. Uh, I've always wanted to go out there. I've always wanted to go to the Salt Plus. I've always wanted to go down the Pacific Coast Highway. I've always, you know, it's one of those things where I'll get there. I don't know when. It could be me doing it in my pickup truck just to say that I did it. I will do it eventually. Just who knows? so it's one of those things where it's on the bucket list. I definitely want to do it going down the the PCH. I definitely have always wanted to do that. I don't know if it's because you see it in so many TV shows and movies and everything else like that. You see, you know, the Pacific ocean right there as the backdrop and you're cruising down you got the windows down and you know, it looks, it looks so cool. I don't know if it feels that cool going down that way, but it always it, it's one of those trips that I've always wanted to go on. It's just I've never it's never played out for me as of yet. So, but I definitely do want to go, so, especially those salt flats. Those salt flats look look cool.
0: So you're going? I think last time we texted, you said you were you've been going in and out of West Virginia and Ohio yep. quite a bit as of late. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've been right where that uh, derailment was there in uh, East Palestine there a couple weeks ago. So we've been I've been delivering into Weirton, West Virginia, which is basically right on the right on the border of East Palestine, Ohio. So it's it's been right there. So I moved out from that. I went and did a Wisconsin turn there the other day, up pretty close to uh, uh, Minnesota, and uh, I'm trying to stay away from that sort of. Deal. I'm training right now. So the guy I'm training, it's we have to do like little light stuff, easier stuff. So that's where the easier stuff is right now is the Cleveland's, the Ohio's. the Well, you know, Cleveland uh, you can
0: do in a day like you can leave. Yeah. You can leave home, go to Cleveland, load, unload, come back. I mean, if everything if everything goes yeah. perfectly, that's like a 12 hour day.
1: Yeah. So hopefully with, you know, hopefully this guy shadows me only for another week or so. And uh, then he can go do the easy stuff, and I can get back out there and uh, collect some more miles, hopefully go back to Wisconsin. I love Wisconsin. I don't know what it is about Wisconsin. It's it's not the cold. It's not – I don't know. It's like my favorite state to go to. It feels a
0: little know. bit like northern Ontario. It in, does. In it, many respects, it, like the, the northern half of the state.
1: Yeah, it, it really, really does. And the people are, are really nice. They're courteous. I mean, you're going to get your people that are, are dickheads and assholes – in every part of the world, but for some reason, I don't know what it is with Wisconsin. I don't know if it's because I'm a Packers fan and it's just the cheese head coming out at me, but <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I love Wisconsin. It, it's one of those States where I just love to go. I, I stock the truck up on cheese when I go. So when I come back, there's usually like a hundred dollars worth of cheese in the, in the truck. The family loves it. So it's, I don't know if it's that part of it, but I just, I really like doing Wisconsin turns and I've, I've liked it for like the last, I'd say about 10 years that I've been running Wisconsin. It's just one of those states where I really, really enjoy running it.
0: When, whenever I went to Wisconsin or Minnesota, I always did the cross at Sarnia and then I always went up around the Northway because I hate Chicago. Yep. I mean, it's depending on where you go in Wisconsin, it can be a few more miles. Yep. Um, but the further west you go, the more the miles start to equalize. Like if you're going yep. to Minneapolis, or somewhere in Minnesota. If you cross Port Huron, go up 75 Mackinac Bridge and then cut through the UP of Michigan, yep. it's a much prettier drive. It's uh, slower, but prettier and less stress. And you don't have to deal with Chicago at all. Yeah. I, I always quite enjoyed that. I always loved running through the UP to go over to Minnesota that way.
1: And I, I loved I love the UP. And I didn't I went across that Mackinac Bridge for the first time. Oh, I'd say. Probably 10 years ago and it was windy and it was cold and it was blowing and I get on the bridge and I'm just starting to, you know, gain up speed and all of a sudden I see the, you know, the thing 15 miles an hour and I'm looking down and I'm looking through the grates and I'm going, Oh my god, oh my god, don't you know <laughs> I'm gonna I feel like I'm gonna shit my pants here. There's there's no room for air, there's nothing, and it's you have to go fifteen miles an hour. That's it. You can't go any faster.
0: And they do that spacing thing too, which is hilarious because you know, um for those who haven't ever been to michigan michigan has some really weird weight laws which is to say they don't seem to have any at all and you'll get guys with b trains with four axles on the lead and four on the pop and eight and nine axle 48 foot trailers and they're running around like hundred and sixty thousand pounds so you get one of these fully loaded michigan sleds or michigan b trains up on that bridge and you just wonder how it holds it all up. Eh?
1: Uh huh. Yep. Because you, if you look as you're going up, you can feel and you can see the bridge moving like this. And it's one of those things where you don't know if you're on like a bad acid trip or something because <laughs> you, see, you see everything moving and you're trying to like com- com- compute everything in your brain. And then you're looking down as you're going over, you know, over top of the bridge and you can see right down to the water or the, you know, the frozen tundra beneath you. And it's one of those things where, you're screwed. You're up there now, man. If, if anything happens, you're going for a nice ice bath.
0: Yeah. It's a very, yeah. The Mackinac bridge is quite an iconic piece of American infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that j- just to drive over that bridge is a trip in itself. I mean, that's almost yeah. worth, that's almost worth the drive. Even if you're just in a car, yep. you know, because the, nope. the, the, the scenery is pretty nice and you're driving over the connection between Lake Huron and Lake Michigan. Yep, and it's just it's 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 yeah. I I actually think the Mackinac Bridge is, to my mind, prettier thing to look at than the Golden Gate in California. But I mean, that's just me.
1: That's one of those. That's another thing that I have wanted to do is always cross that Golden Gate Bridge there in in California, in San Francisco. Yep. I've always wanted to do that, but yeah. to get there is yeah one of those
0: no, no no no. Take take a family holiday. Go in your own vehicle. Go in there in a the truck like. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no yeah that
1: northern michigan and the upper peninsula is probably some of the the most beautiful scenery that i've seen in north america it is you know in the fall you know especially when those leaves just start to fall and the changing of the colors and everything else like that you could get lost out there for a day and i could drive you know 40 50 mile an hour up and down those roads even slower and just you know admire the scenery if it took me you know three days to get across the top of it I wouldn't. I wouldn't be heartbroken at all because it's one of those places where you, you feel. You feel at peace. You can feel. You can feel the nature. You can feel everything. Why people want to go visit there and why they want to go hunt up there and why they want to be away from civilization. Civilization. Civilization up there because it is is it is so aesthetically pleasing and beautiful and calm and peaceful. It's one of those places where it's just. Everything just it seems like you're just calm driving through there until yeah, you get back ma- into ma- the bigger up, cities.
0: Yeah, it makes up for all the other crap you have to put up with behind the wheel. Yeah. Well, Vince, you've been very, very generous with your time. Um, do you have any parting thoughts or anything else on your mind you need to get out there? No, just I was, you know, I was
1: looking at jobs last night. It came up on my job board <laughs> for for the uh indeed or whatever, and I'm looking at some of these jobs. And I'm looking at the prices that they want to pay these, these drivers, you know, $44,000 a year, $50,000 a year before taxes. And I'm thinking, this is why you have the caliber of drivers that you have now. You're willing to pay them a wage that is, an, is not a livable wage. And you expect these people to to give a shit about an industry or about a truck or about a job or anybody out on the road they don't care because with the e-logs into play everybody's running against that clock and then you pay a driver crap money all of a sudden he doesn't care about the truck he doesn't care about anything all he wants to do is get to and from and he's making the shit money so he doesn't care if he does damage to the truck if he does damage to the freight he doesn't care about driving through your neighborhoods at you know 80 kilometers an hour what's in when it's a 50 kilometer an hour zone they're always go 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 and these are the calibers of drivers that you're getting out here. And it's reflecting on, on how they're getting paid. Like, I don't it understand. the rest
0: how, of us look bad, too.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't understand how companies can, you know, hold something over somebody's head. Like, we've got a job here, you know, dangling a carrot in front of a, you know, in front of their nose sort of thing. You know, here you go. And they're paying them shit money. I just so it's
0: one of those little baby carrots you get for your kids. It's not yeah. a real carrot.
1: Yeah. And then it and then you wonder and you sit back and wonder why why you know the trucking industry as a whole is looked down upon so much within like the, the last 10 to 15 years. And it's that's one of the bigger reasons like that. And I was I said to my wife, how could somebody live on this wage? Like even as a single person, you'd have to struggle severely to make ends meet on on that type of pay. Now, if you had somebody with, you know, a family of You know, a family of six per se in my own, in my own spot. How could somebody, how, how do you support a family on that? It's one of those things where I just, I don't understand.
0: Well, the, the sort of capitalist logic, so to speak, which views every cost as something to be chipped away at. They've also done that with every service that goes in input you know so like trucking to many companies is just this thing they have to pay for that they don't think about it's like yeah we have our product here at point a and it needs to go to point b and we just want it done as cheap as possible unfortunately they view the labor involved in that in the same way just get her Mm -hmm. done as cheap as possible and they don't like a lot of a lot of companies don't see the value in service i mean some do and some, mm-hmm. some understand that there's a lot else that goes into this besides just sitting behind the wheel and they understand that trucks and parts and fuel and everything is expensive. Unfortunately, you know, I, I, I haven't looked at a job board in a while. Um, I've been sort of sitting tight with the guy I work for, you know, my wife and I are in the same boat, young family, you know, it's, my wife teaches. So it's good that we both work because I wouldn't be able to carry the can here on what I make. mhm at all i would I would have to go back otr or be doing something far more time consuming than i already do yeah but if, if someone advertises a truck driving job in year of our lord 2023 and they're only offering 40k um yeah so oh cool so i only have to work 30 hours a week i can go get another job then that's what i'm right. thinking
1: yeah <laughs> no, know, like exactly that, that's
0: that's that's, that's part time wages sorry mm-hmm.
1: No, exactly. I mean, and I think a lot of it is because trucking is not registered or not recognized as a skilled trade and which I don't understand because anybody can go up and down the road, you know, put it in gear, put it in, in drive, you know, with these automatic trucks nowadays, anybody can go up and down the road straight. It takes a true professional driver to be able to get into some of these tight spaces, you know, get in, get out, be courteous, be professional, no damage to the freight, no damage to customers, property, anything like that. It takes a lot of skill to get into and offload some of these places. And that's just with your your normal daily freight that's going in. now you add, you know, construction into the mix, these big heavy excavators and equipment and all the stuff that has to go down the road. You can't just put anybody in that seat and tell them, okay, well, here's a, you know, a D6 excavator on the back. You know, you're grossing out at, you know, 120,000, 120,000 pounds. I want you to take this down to Baltimore and do it safely. And you give this to people with no experience. And this is why crashes happen. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where I think trucking should have been a long time ago registered as a skilled trade. And if it was, I believe, I wholeheartedly believe a lot of the shit that you see nowadays wouldn't exist.
0: Right. I, I agree with that as well. There's a new, advocacy organization here in the u.s called cdl drivers unlimited CDLDU. and i was speaking on the phone with one of the guys organizing it and one of their aims is to i think i think there's a there's like a rule in the federal department of labor in the united states that requires in, in order to get the label trade or skilled job or skilled occupation recognized by the government there has to be a minimum amount of training or apprenticeship time or community college. And according to the feds, it's two years. So the idea of requiring a new truck driver to have some kind of two year program where, and and like how I would structure it would be in somewhat in the same way as how the paddocks trained me. You know, like when I first got my AZ, I just ran around Hamilton for months and then they would send me to Toronto or London You know, I never went very far away for the first couple of years because that, you know, you're close to home. If there's a problem, if you break down, they can come help you. You get to practice on your own turf. You're not being Mm -hmm. sent across the country because the sort of CDL mill system takes people who are brand new, trains them for a few weeks and then throws them off the deep end with no water wings, Mm -hmm. which is a disgusting and disrespectful practice to everybody, to the motoring public, to the industry at large. Yep. and should be terminated immediately. And so if CDL, DU or other organizations got together and laid out a structure where, you know, yeah, you do six weeks in class in like a, a traditional sort of CDL school type deal, but then you do another X number of months working in a local capacity, following around other drivers. So many months of that is you have another driver with you in the truck mm-hmm. and then you have, another year where you're working either regionally or close by or continuing to do local and then after 2 years you've had all this experience working locally you got more driving hours under your belt in a more supervised supported fashion close to home then okay now here you go go yep. go run the big road and then have that structured and recognized as such I mean, now, you know, you'd fight tooth and nail people like the American Trucking Association and the Canadian Trucking Alliance. You know, all the, all, all the big guys would hate that because now they would have to start paying drivers more and they would have to revamp their training programs. And, you know, yep. it, would, it, would, it would make moving things a bit more expensive, but that, that has to reflect all of the externalized costs that the trucking business, unfortunately, puts on the motoring public. You know, there's, there's accidents. Sometimes it's car driver's fault and sometimes it's the truck driver's fault, whatever, you know, there's been studies that have proven that the more, I mean, it's basic common sense. The more experience you have, the less accidents you get in. Mm -hmm. I've never been involved in a collision. Have you?
1: Yep. And as and they haven't been my fault.
0: Right. Yeah. It's usually, you know, it's usually the four wheeler Mm -hmm. that has done something eminently stupid in our presence, but like, you want to keep guys in. So you have this training issue at the one end where, like you say, we sh- it should be recognized as a trade or skilled something and, you know, have this like two-year minimum apprenticeship program. And then if you have better training at the bottom end and then that kind of elevates the wage floor and it, it might prevent more older guys from You know, even medium-term experienced people from saying the hell with this. I'm not getting paid enough. This job, I get treated like crap. Why stay in it? Because you know the trucking is an industry, especially here in the U.S., has a major turnover problem. Yep, I would think that cleaning up the bottom end of it uh, would help in that regard.
1: Well, you you, you'd think so, but I mean, it's it's one of those things where you it just makes you shake your head. So,
0: right i uh, as always whenever a couple of truckers get together we're going to solve all the world's problems <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on on that happy note thanks for coming out vince i really appreciate getting to talk to you again
1: hey not a problem buddy it's been my pleasure
0: yeah and um i the the whole look sharp attitude look professional attitude is something that needs to get spread around and i'm glad i'm glad you're still a practicer of that sir
1: yeah i i i try to on uh on every day. I mean, some days I got to push myself a little bit more, but then I realize, you know, it's, it's who I am. It's I don't go out and I don't deviate from, from certain things and pride and whatever I drive, whether it's a plastic plastic truck or it's got a big hood, my pride in my vehicle and my work ethic, it doesn't change. Yeah. You have
0: to work with what you got, right?
1: That's it. And even though I drive, I,
0: I, I drive, I drive a 579 Pete. Sloped hood, uh, not the prettiest drive, truck in the world, but
1: I drive the same thing. But you know what? I my pride is still the same. You can eat off my floor, you can eat off my dash. The truck's always clean. I always maintain a professional attitude. The truck always looks professional. You know, as as clean as it can be, especially in the winter months up in Canada or in North America, where weather is. You could go through all four seasons in February, as we've seen the last the last <laughs> month. There, it was it was twenty two degrees. We were in in a in a, a t shirt loading, and the very next day it was a blizzard down back down to minus 40 so <laughs> i mean it's it's you just you do your best with what you've got but you can't go back on your your normal values so to speak yeah, and ma- that's ma- the way ma- that maintaining I've good brought attitude. Up. that's that's the most important thing
0: on that note sir thank you very much for coming on the show and everybody and everybody out there listening uh be like vince wash your truck (laughs) look good it pays it pays to look good maintain the good aesthetic (laughs) that's the
1: first time i've heard that be like vince
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you sir
1: thanks gordo we'll talk to you soon brother